This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Indiana. Ooh, uh, I bet some crazy shit has happened in Indiana. Yeah, I actually picked two things because one of them was just so weird that i wanted to talk about it but it's short okay um the other one is a regular story okay but we'll talk about the small one first okay and it's called the odin fire poltergeist of 1941 Ooh, poltergeist i don't think we've done like a paranormal and so well we did skinwalker ranch yeah we did skinwalker ranch a while ago but i felt like i wanted to throw something in there that wasn't like just a murder (laughs) that's my second story though We'll okay. get to that one. We still have some murder for you folks, <laughs> but first, indulge us as we learn about the Odin Fire Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So it was early April uh, in the morning in 1941. Okay. William Hackler had just finished having breakfast with his family okay. and his wife named Minnie and his five children. Okay. And they lived in an old two-story farmhouse in Odin, Indiana. Okay. And he was just about to start doing his family or his farming chores. Okay. Uh, but someone in the family started smelling burning. Oh. And it was like the smell of burning wood. Okay. And so William started investigating. He checked every different room until he finally discovered that there was a fire burning inside the wall of one of the bedrooms on the second floor. Okay. He called the fire department, and they put the fire out quickly, but they were all puzzled because it happened within the walls, and the house was so old that it had no electrical wires. Okay. And there was no chimney in that room. Interesting. Right. So without having any sort of explanation for the fire, they figured, okay, it's out. We're going to leave. And they went back to their fire station. Okay. Um, And almost immediately, they received another call from William. And then he said that the fire had started inside a feather bed. Weird. Okay. The firefighters rushed back to the farm And by 11 a.m., so this all started early in the morning, and then by 11 a.m., they had put out a total of nine fires that appeared to come out of nowhere. Weird. Like, in the middle of things. In the middle of things. So, another mattress caught fire from within uh, without anyone having been around it. Another wall on the opposite side of the house was also caught on fire with inside of it. And then William's overalls that was hanging behind a door started burning, too. Then a fireman noticed a book that was just smoldering. The cover was intact, but when he opened it up, he saw that the interior was burning. What? Right. That's so random. I know. So by this point... What book was it? I I don't know. What if it was was the the Bible? Bible? (laughs) I don't think it was the Bible or probably... It was the Bible... 
we're talking about Satan here. Right. And, like, I rebuke it in the name of my (laughs) Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, by this point, neighbors started realizing what was going on. They heard all the commotion, and they came to the house to start offering help. Two women noticed that the window curtains in the living room spontaneously started catching fire. Okay. So another group of neighbors saw a bedspread igniting and rapidly burning to ashes. (laughs) What? So weird. There was a calendar hanging on the wall that burned up, too. And all of this was left in ashes, Yet the wall looked like it was untouched by the flames. So the the calendar burned to ashes, but the didn't like leave a mark or... on the wall. Yeah. What? So then another fire started inside of a dust drawer. So random. So all of these things that kept happening seemed like it was very isolated to just that one spot. They would ignite, and then the they would go up in flames, mm-hmm. but nothing around it would be unharmed or harmed. Okay. Uh, so by 11 p.m., so 12 plus hours later, yeah, <laughs> they finally finished. It took over a hundred firefighters from two different communities to extinguish a total of 28 fires. What the fuck? Right. And so that night, William and his family took the beds that were still remaining, of course, because Mm -hmm. a lot of them burned, slept under the night sky outside of the house. Okay. And then afterwards, with the help of all his friends and neighbors and relatives, he tore down the entire house and he took that lumber to build a new home a few miles down the road. Oh, no. So this ne- this seemed to help. So nothing ever happened in their new house. Um, but the case still remains unsolved and weird. Curious of what has what actually, started. Yeah, the, yeah. So the firefighters and multiple witnesses all provided accounts of inexplainable spontaneous combustion of objects, and there was no explanation of this. People theorized that there was a gas leak. From a nearby well, they also thought that was a prank by children or some magnetic fields. Who knows? But none of these theories explain exactly what happened and um, what was described by all these witnesses. Some also speculated it was insurance fraud. But the farmhouse was insured with with traveler's insurance. And the company used the strange event to run a successful ad in... The magazine. However, if this theory is true, it is difficult to explain how such a prank or ruse could have been pulled off in front of so many reliable and objective yeah. witnesses. Well, like if there had been like a cutout in the wall, right? Like in a, the room behind it or something, like. It just started. It started in the walls. It started in the walls, in the middle of the mattress. Yeah. Like, it's just so weird. That is really random. What was The desk drawer, I was like, somebody was trying to smoke, and they were hiding the fact that they were smoking, so they threw their cigarette in the drawer. But in the middle of a a book. Yeah. All just happening, one right after another. That's so weird. It's so random. What? Even, I would be interested to know what the book was. 
Watch it was like a book of like the original owner of the house or something. Yeah, I don't know. And he was like, get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) But then like we, joke's on you, we tore down your house and now we're three miles down the road. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You did this to yourself. Truly. You want to live outside? You going to live outside now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I just read that and I was like, that is pretty crazy. That is. 28 fires starting all by itself in the same like different parts of the house. It wasn't even just on one side or in one room. It was just in multiple locations. Yeah, that that just don't make no sense. I know. Anyway, so that's that one. Okay. so we're going to go on to fun. I know. So we're going to go on to a lady, girl, named Lauren Spire, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, She was a 20-year-old Indiana University sophomore. Okay. And she was from Scarsdale, New York, and she graduated high school in 2009. Okay. And enrolled into Indiana University. And so she moved to Bloomington to study fashion merchandising. Ooh, fun. Uh, she lived in a apartment complex called the Smallwood Plaza, but now it's called the Avenue of College, the Avenue on College in downtown Bloomington. Okay. She met her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, and her friend, Jay Rosenbaum, years earlier at a camp a summer camp in the mountain town of Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Okay. And she also met various other students from uh, this camp who later attended Indiana University. Okay. And so when she enrolled in 2009, she already knew multiple people. So Mm -hmm. it felt like she was just right at home. She was last seen... Walking in downtown Bloomington during the early mornings hours of June 3rd, 2021. Um, so, on June 2nd, 2001, Lauren was drinking with several friends. Her boyfriend stated that he did not want to go out with her or her friends that evening, but the two were just texting back and forth until he decided to go to bed. Okay. Um, he recanted. Not recanted. He accounted that he uh, noticed she was very intoxicated. Okay. And she was probably using some drugs, and some witnesses corroborated that story. Interesting. She had actually been arrested for public intoxication nine months earlier before her disappearance. Good, good. And they actually found a small amount of cocaine in her room. Oh. Yeah, so Bloomington police used video surveillance footage and witness statements to create a timeline of her whereabouts before her disappearance. Okay. So she left her apartment after watching the 2011 NBA playoffs and drinking wine with friends, and she headed to a party around 1230 a.m. on June 3rd. Okay. Um, with her friend named David Roan. The pair went to Jay Rosenbaum's apartment. She met up with Corey Rossman, who was Rosenbaum's neighbor. So they all lived in the same apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his Rossman's other roommate was there, too, or other neighbor, and his name was Michael Beth. There's a lot of people. 
involved in this, so it's a little weird. So she spent the next four hours moving from party to party um, with all of these people. And so at 1.46 a.m., she was seen entering a sports bar called Kilroy's. Okay. At 2.27, Lauren is caught on camera exiting the bar with Rossman. She had left her cell phone and shoes at the bar. And she she had taken off her shoes when she walked into the sand-covered patio. And then Rossman walked with Lauren to her apartment complex. At 2.30, Lauren is captured then entering Smallwood Plaza Apartments. Um, there was a guy that was walking by. His name was Zach, and he noticed that she was really intoxicated and asked her if she was okay. Okay. But they said, fine, she's fine, like, we're going to go, whatever. So when they got to the fifth floor of the building where Lauren's apartment was, they ran into four male students in the hallway. Okay. And Rossman supposedly says something smart to one of them, and then the man decks him and punches him in the face. Um, oh. He says he can't remember anything after he was hit in the head, though. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's just a lot of moving pieces in yeah. this. So then Lauren left her apartment around 2.48. Okay. So only about... Uh, 18 minutes after the dude got hit in the face. Okay. Entered the alley then r- that runs between College Avenue and Morton Street okay. in the neighborhood. And there were security cameras that uh, captured her exiting the alley around 2.51 huh. and walking into an empty lot. Her keys and purse were found along this little alleyway. Okay. Um. And surveillance cameras in the alley also show her stumbling. And then at some point, Rossman tosses her over his shoulder in a fireman's carry, like over the, you know, carrying him down the stairs, whatever. Yeah. Um, And then he took her to his apartment shortly afterwards. Okay. Then Michael Beth was at the apartment, the friend, neighbor. Um, and all of them were drunk. They were stumbling around. Rossman vomited on the ground, on the carpet, on the way upstairs. Okay. And then <laughs> Rossman went to bed and he tried to get Lauren to stay the night because he was worried about her. And he claims that she said she just wanted to go home. Okay. So at 3.30... <laughs> Uh, Beth, Michael Beth, said he found his neighbor asking him to take care of Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lauren also kept pushing that she wanted to even drink more. Oh, no. And you've had enough. Girl. Right. And so one of the neighbors, uh, they kept asking him to drink with her because they didn't want to drink anymore. So she then left and went to back to her friend's apartment. Okay. Um, She's very, very active for being so drunk. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, she is running around. Like me when I'm drunk? 
catch me in this one spot. Right. I'm not moving around I mean, a lot. I can understand because, you know, I like to be very social and run between places and... Yeah, but this seems like a lot. It's aggressive. It's a yeah. lot. So she got to this friend's house and they noticed that she had a big bruise underneath her eye. Oh, no. Okay. And it, they allegedly said this was because she was so drunk and that she fell earlier in the evening. Okay. Um, But she couldn't remember how she got it. Okay. And so the friend started, made two phone calls. Uh, one to the other dude, the neighbor, and then one to another friend that wasn't mentioned. Okay. But neither of them picked up. Um, and so <laughs> Lauren then left his apartment at 4.30 a.m. Okay. And that was the last time anyone reported seeing her. Okay. So she was last seen barefoot, wearing like black legs leggings and a white shirt, and walking south on College Avenue. So she intended to walk the two and a half blocks to her apartment, mm -hmm. but she just vanished. Okay. So several hours later, uh, her boyfriend sent a text to her, and he didn't. He received a reply from the employee at the bar. Okay. So the boyfriend then reported. Oh, because she got her phone. At she the bar. got her phone at the bar with her shoes, at right? Rocker killers or Kilroy's. Kilroy. Yeah. Rocker killers. I have no idea what that place is. Uh, yes. Um. So he reported her missing. Okay. So then, in August two thousand eleven, police conducted a nine day search of the Sycamore Ridge landfill in Pimento. Um, for clues of the disappearance. The landfill is where trash from Bloomington is hauled after a stop to transfer stations. And so the Bloomington Police Department, the Indiana University Police Department, and the FBI took part in all of this search. Okay. In 2015, the Bloomington Police announced that they were investigating a possible link between Lauren's disappearance and the murder of another... Indiana University student named oh. Hannah Wilson. Okay. She went missing April 24th, 2015 after visiting Kilroy's. Oh. Right. So Wilson was last seen getting into a taxi in front of the bar and driving her away. And then her body was found the next morning in Brown County and... Okay. Uh, a gentleman named Daniel Messel was arrested for the murder after his cell phone was discovered by her body. Okay. However, the family hired a PI, and the PI starts to claim that the crimes were similar, but they weren't. But they were just coincidental. It wasn't okay. related. And then another promising lead came in January 2016 when investigators of the Bloomington Police Department and federal agents searched the Martinsville property owned by the family of Justin Wagers okay. in connection with Lauren's investigation. Investigators searched the property with cadaver dogs, um, which indicated potential evidence. Okay. 
And the anthropologists that they hired conducted a dig and sifted through dirt where the cadaver dogs smelled something. Okay. But they didn't find anything. Okay, so they picked up a scent somewhere, but they didn't find a body there. Right, yeah. So no arrests were made. Police never had an, a, even commented on their findings. Okay. So detectives, media reports, and everybody throughout the years have speculated on a wide range of theories and suspects, mm-hmm. um, from a motorcycle gang to a drug overdose cover-up and that... The people she was partying with dumped her body in the river and all of that. Mm-hmm. So what's a little weird is that then they bring up that Lauren had suffered from a serious heart condition. And okay. so with drugs and alcohol, it could have, you know, screwed with that heart condition and become mm-hmm. a very deadly situation. Okay. Um, and so that's why they think that there was some sort of cover up because the kids didn't want to get in trouble, get for... in trouble. Yeah. Um, in s- 2017, uh, Brown County prosecutors believe that Daniel Messel, the one that murdered Hannah, mm-hmm. um, who was convicted in 2015, um, may also be responsible for Lauren's disappearance okay however they said that the bloomington police department never made him an actual suspect okay was he the one that left the bar with her no this was the one that happened sorry there's there's a lot of people there was in this a story. lot of people she in was this partying she, a lot <laughs> she was partying with four or five different people yeah but this one that was convicted in 2015 mm-hmm. was just another random person that had the cell phone by hannah's body got it yes of four years later five years later mm. um so interesting charlene uh Spear, Lauren's mom, told the news that I just would like to hear this is where you can find your daughter. It's not the not knowing what happened to her or where she might be. That's the most unbearable thing. Absolutely. So there's no evidence. There's no. You just want an answer. Right. Whether it's she's no longer with us or she's being held captive here. Right, right. (laughs) I mean, after this long, so she went, she disappeared in 2011 when Mm -hmm. she was 19. And so she, she would be turning 30. Yeah. Right around this time. Um, So it's a little sad. I mean, there's no evidence of what happened to her. She was seen on so many cameras. That's what's crazy. They had such a timeline down, but then she just disappears. So random. Yeah, I... It sounds to me, welcome to my conspiracy corner, (laughs) something happened at those parties that she was going to, hopping from place to place. She had that huge bruise on her her face. Right. I mean, which can happen if you fall down when you're drunk. Yeah. Because I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) But it just seems, I don't know, to me it's just... It's just weird that the night that she disappeared, she had physical evidence of bodily harm. Right. The night that she was she went missing. Was somebody was somebody trying to like get her in like the alley and some like she like had she fought her way out? Is that why she dropped her purse and, and keys in the alley? Yeah. And then she went out, but then that, that person could have followed her. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, why did her friend say that, like, he threw her over her shoulder? Was he there? What happened? Yeah. Because you're saying that you're there with that friend, with Lauren, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she goes to your guys' house. And she's missing. And then she goes to another person's house with a huge bruise on her face. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Yeah. There's so many scenarios that could have happened from this. Like, he could have tried to be getting, like, tried to get with her or hook up with her. And she could have said no and wanted to leave and Mm -hmm. all of that. Or she just met some random guy when she was trying to walk the two and a half blocks home. So random. Yeah, so there's there's no evidence. There's nothing to go off of. And that's what's crazy is like, like you said, there's so much surveillance video mm-hmm. available, except for right then, right that right that moment. There was even video of her entering and leaving the alley. Yeah, I don't know a lot of alleys that have surveillance cameras on them. No, not at all. Like <laughs> you know, it just seems it just it seems weird. And it's like. From what I gather, you're walking by a lot of apartment complexes, a lot of bars. Yeah. So why, why was, why did no one see anything? I I get it. It was 430 in the morning. Mm -hmm. There was probably not a lot of people out on the street, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like it was a college area and, you know. But even then, like, I'm trying to think back On like when we would go out to bars, Mm -hmm. if I see somebody walking down the street, I don't really like commit any of that to memory. You know what I mean? Because I see people you see people just walking up and down the street all the time. And it's like I couldn't tell you what their face looked like or what what they were wearing or who they were. I mean, that is true. Especially if you've been drinking. That is true. If you've been drinking, you're probably not going to remember. But I also would notice and would try to talk to somebody if I saw that person was falling over. Yeah. And or like completely shit faced. Yes. Like can I help you get home? Like right. I've done that numerous times to other people like that are crying and I make sure mm-hmm. that they're okay. And I don't know this person. Yeah. You know, and so if anybody has any information, reach out to the Bloomington Police Department. Yes. Do that. Bloomington, Indiana, because we investigated Indiana. <laughs> All of it. Boom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email MVP at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast. My Village Productions.